It's Wednesday, October 28th. Welcome to Market Forward. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio. The man in charge of Million Dollar Portfolio, Matt Argusinger. Happy Wednesday, man. Hey, great to be here, Chris. Thanks for being here. Um, we're going to dip into the full mailbag. We've got some earnings from Apple and Twitter. This I said right before we started taping, when we're in the thick of earnings season, we could go for an hour. There's there, so many stories we're not going to get to right, today. There's no end. There's earnings stories. Uh, I will say, however, if you're interested in the Walgreens Rite Aid deal, which is a big honking deal, uh, they are going to be digging into that on Industry Focus later today. So check that out. Christine Hargis and Michael Douglas. Uh, I'm just going to give you a sneak preview. They're not fans. Not fans uh-huh. of the Walgreens Rite Aid deal. So so tune into Industry Focus to to hear more of that. Let's start with Apple. Which wraps up the fiscal year, fourth quarter, selling more than 48 million iPhones. And once again, some companies are having trouble in China. Apple doesn't appear to be one of them. Not at all. And I'll just say this How in the world is Apple trading for about 13 times earnings right now? <laughs> I just don't understand it. Revenue, so revenue overall was up 22%, but you said it iPhone sales in China almost doubled. The revenue in China almost uh, more than doubled. It did double. It, do, it did double. And and Tim Cook was out there saying, you know, there's just no evidence of the you know the Chinese macro slowdown on on traffic to the stores on iPhone demand, and so they're they're getting it done. And I'll say this, you know, the one thing we we worry about with Apple is at some point are they going to be able to have the pricing power that they've had in the past with iPhones and well any of their products? Well, their average selling price uh, this past quarter was six hundred and seventy dollars, which pretty much the highest it's been, and and certainly the highest in several years. And that only included a few days of iPhone 6s sales in that in the quarter. So, I think they're set up for a great quarter. Uh, business is booming. They they sold the most Macs they've ever sold. So that was a record. That's been a strength. The interesting thing is, you know, they sold less than 10 million iPads in the quarter, which uh, was the first time that's happened in, in a bunch of years. There really wasn't any concern about that, though. We you know, I the I, the tablet was the big new platform right. for Apple a few years ago, but it's kind of been. I want to say overshadowed, but the tablet market hasn't arisen to where I think people thought it was going to be. But they're not. Apple's not getting hit for that at all. I mean, they still does that surprise you? I mean, we've we've said before this is first and foremost an iPhone story, and and I don't want to presume that what's happening with iPad sales. I mean, that doesn't change that. By the same token. I would think there'd be just the tiniest bit of concern about that. I, I, w- I thought there would be. I mean, they are coming out with the iPad Pro this quarter, and that's I think that's going to be a big test for the market. But I, I, I think I mean most people you talk to, and this is all anecdotal from from my perspective. But I think there was a big rush to to get these tablets. But the being an in between device between your laptop and your phone, it hasn't really arisen to that point. Most people I talk to says it's a secondary advice. Hey, if I'm traveling or I just want a convenient way to watch a movie while I'm sitting in bed, that's when I'll bring out my iPad. But it's not the sort of device I need to upgrade or buy you know new every year. Uh, so, and then I'll just I want to point out that you know one thing about Apple, I mean, it's a massive company, but they bought back 13 billion in shares last quarter. That's on top of 10 billion uh, the prior quarter. And they've purchased a hundred billion dollars worth of stock in just the last three years. A hundred billion. That's they've crazy. bought back, you know, I don't know, the equivalent of, of half of Walmart in stock over the last three years. Uh, and I think when I to answer my own question about why Apple's trading for thirteen times earnings, it shows you really the power of perception in the stock market. I mean, by all accounts, revenue growth of twenty two percent, earnings growth of over thirty uh, percent, and and the balance sheet that Apple has, there's no way any other company would be trading for that. 
low of a multiple. The problem is, I think there's questions about whether Apple can get any bigger, whether they can turn away from the the dependence they have on the iPhone for more than you know, well more than sixty percent of their revenue. Can they can they come to another innovative platform? Those are all great questions that I think weigh on the stock. But I, I just, I, based on the buybacks, based on the dividend yield now, which is almost two percent, I I can't begrudge any investor who looks at the shares and thinks this is just one of the biggest bargains in the market. I want to go back to something you touched on with the uh, with the pro and how that's going to be a test. And I think that you know as we start to focus on the holiday retail season one of the concerns and there there don't appear to be a lot of concerns and I'm speaking generally just the forecasts I'm reading uh, it seems like there's a decent amount of cautious optimism about this holiday season for consumers for retailers themselves and yet something that gets pointed out from time to time is there doesn't seem to be a must-have gadget this year in the way that the iPad was once upon a time in the way that the GoPro last year right you know last year really was a must-have gadget and i think that that that'll be interesting to see with uh, with apple if they can if they can somehow because it it wouldn't surprise me at all if i don't want to say i'm not suggesting it's going to be a flop but it wouldn't surprise me at all if the pro Results that they got over the next few months were just sort of tepid, right? In part because of the price tag. Sure, sure, it's well over a thousand dollars, and I, you know, Apple's guiding for, you know, a growth of about three percent in revenue this coming quarter. It's a huge quarter for them. I wonder how much of that is, how much they think of is iPad Pro in that, or if they're really lowballing that number. Hoping that maybe they exceed. Shouldn't they the lowball it? Oh, I mean, uh, I mean, historically, absolutely. Apple, one of the one of the great companies at lowballing expectations. So, and given everything you said, they absolutely should lowball. Absolutely. Let's move on to Twitter. Third quarter profit and revenue higher than expected, but none of that mattered once the company started to offer their guidance for the next quarter and the stock. Well, promptly fell about twelve percent. It has bounced back. It's now down about six and a half percent. So you tell me, how, how bad was this guidance? I, the guidance wasn't that bad to me. I mean, okay, so they they the revenue guidance was below what the street had been estimating. It's still targeting growth of fifty percent, nearly fifty percent year over year. I think a lot of people are going to look at the the 307 million active users. The fact that that's only growing seven percent year over year is is not very is, is rather tepid. Like I get all that with Twitter. I just I just again I think the as I've said the influence of this company, the influence of the Twitter platform, belies the market value in a way that's I can't compare it to any other company. I just think, and I think the revenue growth. I mean, if you look at the revenue growth in the in the quarter they just reported of 58 percent. To 569 million. So this is a now a company with a run rate of annual revenue well over two billion. This is a highly monetizable monetizable platform. These are really engaged users, and I just think if the market continues to focus on whether or not they can grow the user base, or um, you know whether they're going to meet these sort of short-term earnings targets, they're going to miss. I think what's going on with this company. I think Jack Dorsey's back. We know that he hasn't even had a full quarter really at, at, at as the, you know the permanent CEO. They released Moments, which I think is a key step in you know bringing in new users onto the platform, making it easier and more accessible. But I just think as a a platform, Twitter is proving its its worth, um, and I think the re- I I've, I thought the recent quarter was fine. I mean, and if the you know if investors are selling, I, I understand why they're selling, but I just think there's 
a lot of value being created here that's not going to be really appreciated for a while. But I think I still would not be surprised if a if a larger competitor, not even competitor, because I don't think Twitter has a competitor, but if a, if an Alphabet, Google, or if a media company like even Disney came in and swooped in and bought them at, the, at this value, I would not be surprised. They sure did talk a lot about opportunity on the uh, on the conference call, and to your point. I, I think we we were talking the other day about in the wake of Amazon's latest quarter and Amazon Web Services and what a monster that has become for that company, and it's almost like a it's almost like someone flipped a switch and money came pouring out. Of course, that's not really what happened because. For years, Amazon on their conference call was talking about how they were investing in X, Y, and Z, and yes, web services. So it does seem like Twitter is setting itself up for somewhere down the line, at least that opportunity. If they truly are making these types of investments, then there could come a quarter where they don't just surprise on the upside, they surprise in a really huge way. I think, I think that's absolutely right. And that would that would have suddenly changed the perception. I mean, we talked about Apple. The perception of the market matters a lot, and right now for Twitter, it's it's really it's down. But you're right; it's they are setting themselves up for, you know, it might not happen soon, but there will be a quarter. I agree, where all of a sudden everyone says, "Wow, okay, this business is really working. They've made some good decisions." And I think, and I have to say, we talked about it uh, last week, but the you know the Jack Dorsey giving a third of his stock away, essentially away to yes Twitter employees. That, that's I think that's a great motivator. And I, you know, so he's got the he certainly has the team. I think he thinks he wants, and he's certainly giving them a great incentive to to grow the value of the company. And that, you know what? That's that's something. That's, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that should never be discounted, particularly when we're talking about companies based in Silicon Valley, where the job market is extremely competitive, and Marissa Meyer. While she's sort of struggling right now a little bit as CEO, or certainly her company is struggling, um, that first year went about. She made just about every correct decision a new CEO could make, and a, a huge part of that, and she was right to do this. A huge part of that was focusing on her employees and keeping them in-house, keeping them motivated, and really getting the morale going in the right direction. Because if if you don't have that, then Almost um, no strategy is going to matter. No, I mean, if you think about it, in this business, if you're you know, your top developers, your top engineers, I mean, they they can they have multiple job offers the second they walk out the door, uh, and so yeah, keeping keeping your top talent, especially at a, at a fast-growing, innovative company like Twitter or you know Yahoo, kind of, I mean, it's 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 key. Marketfoolery at fool.com is our email address from Chris Borat. In London, hi guys, love the show. What has happened with Solar City? Please give me some hope. Uh, yeah, I suppose if you're a Solar City shareholder and you see the stock down around 34 percent over the past month, you're looking for a little hope. I'm I'm certainly looking for hope as well. I, I, cause <laughs> why, I why is this? I mean, this is uh, we we talked a little bit this morning. They're they're getting lumped in with oil companies. What's I, happening? That is what is happening, and it's happened for a long time. But if you look at the well, if you look at oil prices and gas prices, let's start there. They're hitting multi-year lows, and and you know you've got some dire predictions out there. But what's what's happening? Of course, that's taking all your the oil and gas companies down to multi-year lows as well. And Solar City has been kind of lumped in with that whole energy sector, and so it's it's also hitting 
you know, pretty steep lows. Um, and I, I kind of watch it every day. The days that the the oil stocks fall, that solar city falls, and that and that really is because the market, or at least a lot of investors, still treat solar, I think, as a substitute for oil and gas, and that's partially right, but I think mostly wrong. I mean, I look at solar as a technology, and I think solar cities innovating. Um, continuously, not only in the technology part of solar power, but in the delivery of that, uh, the customer relationship aspect of that, it's it's a much bigger story than okay. Well, since oil prices are down, less people are going to be interested in solar. That that's there's not no that doesn't right. that's not correlated at all. I mean, people are people are investing in solar because a they're saving money, uh, but b they you know they also want to run their homes or their cars um, you know with with clean energy. And so those types of trends, I think, certainly in the long run, will will outweigh any of this short-term, you know, nonsense of, of solar trading down, solar city trading down with a lot of these oil companies. So, if you're a long, you know, if you're a big fan of solar city and a long-term bull on it, like I am, you know, I, I certainly think that times like this offer opportunity. It just it shouldn't be correlated with with energy sector stocks, traditional energy sector stocks. Question from Patrick Bell in Sweden. You've talked about the debacle that is Volkswagen. The company lost around one third of its value in less than one week back in September. Porsche, which is owned by VW but also trades publicly, also fell over 30% that week. This I simply do not understand. Porsche does not use any of the diesel engines from VW. They just posted record sales last month, and even though VW will need to cut down on RD, I'm having a hard time thinking that they would. Cut that much at Porsche, given the fantastic margin that the company shows. I know the whole "don't buy or sell anything based on what you hear" on this show, but seriously, isn't this a buying opportunity? Uh, and he signs it, listener number eight hundred eighty-five in Sweden. Yes, yet another Swede. You guys should come over and do a show here sometime. We should. I would love to be on that trip. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll need to put in a budget uh, request of okay. some sort All right. because well, right now there is no budget that's right. for that. But hey, if we if we take the show on the road, Sweden's on the list. Absolutely, um, this is a stock that is not traded here in the U.S. It is publicly traded in Germany, and yeah, last six weeks it's down around forty percent. Yeah, and I'm looking at uh, we it is traded over the counter here in. in uh, the U.S. and if I'm looking at the, I think I'm looking at the right ticker here. It's trading really close to a 52-week low, as is Volkswagen. Uh, I think Patrick's on to something. I mean, I haven't looked at Porsche closely, but if if this is a business that you know is kind of, and I don't I don't know if it is, but if it's managed separately and it's kind of got its own, uh, you know, branding and marketing and and what have you outside of the Volkswagen family, I think I think it certainly represents an opportunity. And you do have because part of the stock is traded publicly, you do have the opportunity to bet on that. My only concern would be where does Porsche exist in within the Volkswagen ecosystem? You know, and if uh, if you know if it's part of the distribution, if it's part of sales, it it can be kind of muddled. And you know, there might be some there might be some brand. Lost, you know, brand perception lost with that. I I tend to disagree. I think people, most people, think of Porsche as completely separate outside of. They, they, most people don't even, first of all, own, know that Volkswagen owns Porsche. I didn't. I I, <laughs> I didn't either. To be perfectly frank, so I, I I agree. I think if it's trading down in sympathy, obviously with its parent company, but there might there's probably a lot of value there. Right? Doesn't now. it seem like there are just more shoes to to drop with Volkswagen? I, I think you're. I think you're right. I mean, so I certainly. I mean, we talked about this a while ago. I certainly wouldn't be interested in, in VW stock right now because you're right. We see these things play out for years, 
the the last one, which is not a great example, but the BP situation. Yep. Yeah, I mean, they just this year, five more than five years after the the spill happened, is when they finally settled with the federal government. They still haven't settled with all the you know the local um, states and the local municipalities and, and entities that they need to settle with. And, and this is and it cost three or four times what BP originally set aside. So whatever Volkswagen thinks this is going to cost in brand, not only in actual monetary damages, but in brand power. It's it's it hasn't been settled yet, and it could be a lot bigger. As I mentioned recently, next week, next Monday and Tuesday, we're we're not going to be here. We're going to be at Fulapalooza. It's our annual meeting. We'll be um, where are we going? We're going we're to going Ca- Cambridge, Maryland. Cambridge, Maryland. Right. Yeah. Yep. So the whole company, uh, just about the entire company, will be there. We got fools flying in from London, from Australia, from Germany. And if you've ever wanted to rob Fool HQ, that now's the time. <laughs> Now's the time to do it. Um, but I have to thank a few people who sent in videos because I mentioned uh, Allison Southwick was looking for some short videos. So thank you to Matt Maurer, uh, Gabe Allison, uh, who's one of our listeners in Korea, Jay Melton, uh, one of our listeners, and one of our members in Japan. So it was, uh, the videos were so great. So thank you guys for sending those in. Thank you also to uh, Nikita Shamdasani. Who is a listener and a recent grad from the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill? She was visiting the office yesterday, uh, sitting down with David Gardner, very proud graduate of UNC Chapel mm. Hill, and um, and I got the chance to to chat with her, and uh, it was uh, just wonderful to meet her. So so thank you, Nikita, for coming in. Uh, and last but not least, thank you, Dan Boyd behind the glass today, helping us out running the tech, yeah, but Dan. also behind the glass, Warren Kiesel, uh, a longtime listener. Um, who in the house in the in the house, in the house um, lives in Alexandria works in the area came by for the nickel tour of Fool HQ and brought of course nobody can see it because it's an audio podcast but brought a little bullet bourbon wow, good choice uh, that was which um, as I said when he handed it to me it's five o'clock somewhere not <laughs> not here right now <laughs> but we may have to crack this open so right on all the more reason to wrap this up thanks for being here man yeah thanks a lot Chris uh, as always people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear that's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery the show is mixed by Dan Boyd I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.